Welcome to Monk's Tape. Welcome to Monk's Take, the St. Joseph's College Athletics Podcast. My name is Devin Abbott. I am a junior sports management major here at SJC, and I'm also on the cross-country and track and field team. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, senior environmental science major, also on the cross-country and track team, Jake Huberto. How's it going today, Jake? We're doing pretty good, Dev. It's great to be here today. Sweet. All right. So we're just going to dive right into it. Um, from the sounds of it, it, it uh, seems like you had a pretty interesting summer. So tell us about that. Oh, absolutely. So um, this summer, I went out to Montana from May to August to work on a wildland firefighting company. So starting about mid-May, I completed all my training. And I got luckily got on a Type 6 engine and a Type 2 IA hand crew. So that's Type 2 initial attack. So we're eligible to be the first crew in there. And uh, luckily, I got out plenty this summer. It's good for me that I got out, but not so great for the environment and the people out there that it was such a busy year. Um, but this is something I've always wanted to do my whole life. I've always wanted to get on a wildland firefighting crew. So back in, actually it was February 1st, I remember applying to pretty much every privately contacted crew in the Pacific Northwest that I could find. And about a month later, this one that I ended up on ended up getting back to me. They left a voicemail on my phone, and it was a number I didn't recognize, so I didn't even bother to answer it. And my girlfriend is like, oh, Jake, did you apply to any crews in Montana? I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually did. So I, I listened to the voicemail, and we set up an interview. It went great. And then a couple months later, I was on my way driving out there, and I had no regrets. It was probably the best summer of my life. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, from the sounds of it, it seems like you had a really good time out there. Got some good experience, obviously, for your major. If that's something you want to do, uh, the direction you want to go towards, that's awesome. Uh, what were like the hours like out there? What were you What were you working? Was it kind of seven days a week? Where uh, What was it like? Yeah, so when you're on a crew like that, it's a little different than your normal nine-to-five job because you're often in such a remote spot yeah. that if you were to work to nine-to-five, you're going to get maybe an hour working because we're driving – we're driving pretty far each day. So typically we'd get to fire camp and we'd be eligible to be there for up to two weeks. So, and on the hand crew, we were working 16 hour days on the type six engine. We were working 14 hour days. So that's two weeks straight, seven days a week out in the woods, camping, hiking with your friends. It was great. And one time there was an extension. We were eligible to go another, another full week. If the whole crew's mental health, physical state. If everyone's doing good, you can apply for that extension and you get you get three weeks out there. And that's not all that typical, but um, we did see it once this summer. So it's long days, long hours, but uh, it kind of get into a flow state, just like running, where you just get into it. And after a while, it's just, just another day at work. Yeah, you mentioned those long hours and kind of getting into that flow state. Did you, do you think that, did that take you a little bit to get used to, kind of getting used to that grind? And what was that like, kind of adjusting adjusting to that, I guess? Oh, yeah. My my first fire, I went out there. It was only a couple of days, but after two days of work, I was like, holy cow, I've already worked almost a full, full like, 40-hour work week. So definitely the first couple of days, they were they were long. They took a while, but like I said, it was something I loved doing. It was It was hard work, hiking up and down all day. But 
I mean, the whole time I felt like I was getting in great shape. I was making good friends. I was learning something new. Because on the East Coast here, we don't have fires. I'd never seen a wildfire before the first fire I was on. So I was definitely getting to learn some new skills out there. Yeah, just being out there, I can only imagine some of the stuff you've seen just compared to what's over here. It must have just been just a whole different world out there that, I mean, I've never been out there before. So, but to just tell us a little bit about that. What are some of the craziest things you saw out there? The craziest things I saw, I like the mountains, honestly. I just, I love the mountains out there. Out here, it's pretty cool. We get something, some stuff above treeline, but getting out there, you come into the Rocky Mountain front, you're on the plains in eastern Montana, and you could see out in the distance, you can see the Rockies just, they're just towering over everything. And unreal. All throughout the summer, I could see snow up on the peaks there. Wow. And uh, in western Montana, it was great. So the mountains were great. A lot of the time I was working, I was working out in the mountains. Either uh, if I was in western Montana or Idaho, I was in some pretty um, rugged terrain, jagged peaks. Then a couple of times I was in the plains where there was not a hill in sight. So good mix. But um, the craziest thing I'd say I saw was on my first fire, it was the fire was pretty much out. We were mopping. It's called mopping up when you go in after the fire. And you're just cleaning up, making sure nothing restarts near the edges. And uh, so everyone can leave content that there's not going to be a restart. So we were cleaning up. And it was the forecaster. I don't know who was, who was doing the weather. I don't know where they were. But they said the gusts were 10 miles an hour. And all of us, we had on our instruments, like upwards of 60, 65 mile an hour wind. So everyone was getting little rocks, dust in their eyes. The wind was starting some smaller fires near the edges that we had to go chase down. So it was nothing dangerous. It was, like I said, it was my first fire. So I'd never seen anything like that. And I'm definitely going to remember that one. It was it was pretty crazy weather. You could see little dust devils starting all over the place. People getting knocked down from the wind. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, you kind of mentioned um, you, you just knew that that's something you wanted to get into, but... How did you kind of, how did you come up with that and how did you prepare? You know, it's, it's much different over here. You didn't, you kind of mentioned you didn't experience anything like that before over here. So what did you kind of do to kind of prepare for going out there before, before the summer started? What did, what are some of the things you did? That's a great question. So, uh, back, I don't know how old I was. I was much younger, maybe in middle school. My cousin was telling me all about, he was on a federal, federal type two crew in Colorado and he, he just did it for one season, but he was telling me how much he loved it. But it was a little too physical for him, but he knew I was a big runner. So he's like, Jake, you would love this job. You should come out. Just try it. Give it, give it one season when you can. So I'd always been thinking I was going to do it after college. But these, uh, these contract crews will pick up college students for the summer. So I figured I might as well shoot my shot, give it a try. So I applied. And I ended up getting on. And they trained us and everything. My boss, or he wasn't my boss yet, on the interview, told me what I was going to have to do for training, physical training, all the classes I'm going to need to take. But I was worried, even though even though I study here, I'm used to studying for different kind of material, but it was the same concept as trying to study for a science class, for example. So I really, I took notes on all my classes. They were online because of COVID and because I'm a couple thousand miles away from the nearest class. So I took my notes for that. I was, so I went and prepared when I had my written exam when I finally got out there and just running out, run, running out here. I think that prepared pretty well for the um, physical exam. And I actually 
would load up a backpack with uh, 60 pounds of cat litter a couple times a week. I'd go out in the trails down in Standish and I'd go walking around just to prepare for the 45 pound pack test was my first day when I got in Montana. So it was three miles in 45 minutes with 45 pound pack. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. Um, so my training, I figured, okay, I'm going to try to put 60 pounds on my back and I'm going to walk in some hilly terrain in 40 minutes. So that was my goal. So I'm like, if I can do this then I can definitely do that. Cause I wanted to leave no room for error. Cause I spent a lot of money trying to get out there and that was my plan. I had no other backup plan for what I was going to do for the summer if this didn't work out. So not passing that pack test really wasn't an option. So I made sure to train like crazy here, um, just hiking up hills and with that cat litter on my back. And it, it worked out. I ended up beating that, the... Uh, that's insane, dude. Yeah, I ended up doing the uh, the three miles in 36 minutes. So I had a wow. nine-minute buffer. I mean, you're... You're basically taking the endurance training you're used to from being a cross country runner and you're just throwing in some strength training in there too. And that's, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty wild. So, um, when you were out there, you kind of talked about the hiking and the bonding and stuff like that. Um, talk to me a little bit about more about that and kind of your favorite parts and kind of those memories you took from from your experience out there this summer all right yeah so like i said it was we were working 16 hours a day on i was either on a three-person engine or a 20-person hand crew so and they're pretty different groups of people just in the kind of work they do but i was lucky enough to go see both sides of it and on the hand crew there were people people of all ages there were people a couple of years younger than me all the way to a couple decades older than me but we're all out there doing the same thing for the same reason. And uh, so it doesn't really matter what age, what background you came from. We could all get behind one goal and we work together as a team. Pretty similar to a team sport, honestly. Everyone's got, they're working towards the same goal. So if you're working to achieve that, that's all that matters. You can get along no matter if you have different ideas or anything. If you have the same goal, we're working towards the same thing and it was great. I think, yeah, I think that's pretty cool that you mentioned that there's people you're working with from different age groups. Oh yeah. But obviously different levels of experience, but you all kind of share that common goal. And mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing some pretty serious stuff out there. So you got to kind of have to be able to work together and communicate. I think that's a, I think that's pretty special. So do you think, um, what about like least favorite? parts about the job is there anything that kind of sticks out that you're maybe like oh oh boy that was tough but oh yeah it was the driving the driving we were i was in the northern rockies so we covered the idaho panhandle all of montana all of north dakota little sliver of south dakota and a little sliver of wyoming so there was one one role we had where i went to western north dakota for it was a pretty quick fire we were only there for like four days and then the rain, it just dumped on us, put the fire out. And then we got a call from there that we got to be in Idaho the next day. So Montana's it's a big state. I think it's the fourth biggest state. So we had to cross Montana in one day. And that's, it's not a short drive. It's at least 10 hours. And we're all tired, kind of bad moods, everything. And it's a little, little three-person F-350. So we were all crammed up front. Um, but it was a big region. So we had to, we did a lot of driving this summer. And uh I always wanted to get right to the fire, get to work, 
do some fun stuff, but waiting, waiting on those drives was tough sometimes. But you go, you'd go back and do it again for those reasons though, right? Oh, absolutely. I plan on it right, right when I graduate. So yeah, moving. Yeah. That's, that kind of segues into our next question. So, um, would you, would you go back? Are you planning on going back and is this something after, after that experience over the summer, is this something you want to pursue for your future? Kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Absolutely. I would, uh, this company, they treated me really well and, um, they asked if I wanted to come back. So I definitely plan on it for next year, but my ultimate goal was to work for the U S forest service, um, back here in new England on the white mountain national forest as a ranger. So there's only, there's only 11, 11 ranger spots in the state. So it's super competitive. And I think that in order to get one of those spots, I'm going to need to do a fire for a couple of years just to boost my resume. And saying that's kind of an excuse to go have fun for another four or five years doing fire. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. You're kind of building up your experience. You're doing something you love, something that, something that you have experience with now, now that you uh, endured that over the summer and you have an end goal for it. So that's pretty awesome. So I want to kind of talk about the mental side of, of it. Um, you know, those long hours, those long days, how did you how you keep your mind right over there? What were some of the skills you used to kind of make make sure your body was all right? Make sure you were you were in the right state to kind of, I guess, work this work this job. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty good question. That's a that's a big issue with firefighters out there because they're not getting paid all that well. Oh, wildland firefighters, I mean, and they're working really long hours. It's sometimes a mental health at the end of the season. They haven't seen their family for a while. They've been with the same group of 20 people for months on end. So the mental side is pretty big. Um, but for me, I would just, I'd wake up every day and think that everyone else is waking up at the same time as me and they're all going to have to get out of the tent, lace up their boots. So they can do it. I can do it. Um, we're all going to work, do the same kind of work and they're here to do it. I'm here to do it. I didn't have to, but I chose to, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. And Good sleep was key. Same with same with racing, same with anything before a big exam. Good sleep was the biggest part of it. And I actually slept better out there than I do in a bed here at college or at <laughs> home. Just because the days were so long. Yeah. Half the time, I think I went 30, 33 days without a sleeping pad because I popped it on my first day of a fire. And I uh, then I forgot to get a new one before my next fire. So I didn't have one for over a month. Wow. I just slept under the ground in my tent. But uh I still slept better, better out there than I do here. And it's just because I'm so tired by the end of the day. Um, yeah, sleep, sleep was big. Fueling your body, um, same thing. It's important for running too. Fuel my body with good food, good breakfast. Pack a good lunch um, and make sure you eat as much as you can at supper because they feed us. So try to load up your plate as much as they'll let you. Nice. And. Um... So what, what time would you usually like wrap up? You know, you were talking about what, 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 what were you said? Like 16 hour days, kind of give us, give us an idea when, what's the start to end of that? Mm-hmm. What does that, what does that kind of look like? Yeah. Yeah. So we'd wake up. It was always different depending on what our division asked yeah. of us. So, uh, wake up five o'clock sometimes, sometimes six and, uh, we'd go to briefing or I wouldn't go to briefing. My boss would go to briefing. I went with him a couple times just to see what it was like, but that's usually where the overheads will go to the briefing, what's going to happen for the day. Then we'd eat breakfast quick and we'd get right on our way out to the fire. Sometimes it was a 
quick 10 minute drive. Sometimes it was an hour and a half drive to the fire from the fire camp. And then we'd work all day until sundown or later. Um, and then we'd head back. Same drive we came out on, 10 minutes or an hour and a half. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And then we'd come back. We'd go immediately to eat our supper from a, they usually brought food trucks in if the camp was accessible by uh by road. If not, then we'd be stuck with MREs that we'd be eating for a couple of days on end before they could figure out a way to get us food. And then after that, it was um, some people would hang out. And I'd, I'd usually hang out for a little while, but I was tired. I'd go to bed and I definitely need my sleep. So as much as I can get. Um, but sometimes people would spend be up till midnight just talking, having a good time. Um, but yeah, I usually try to get as much sleep as I can once I got back to camp. Yeah, especially when you have those long days, it's important that you're yep. kind of fueling your body like that, getting getting your rest. You know, you talked about making sure you're getting in enough food. Now, when you when you show up to work and you show up to the fire, kind of explain to us what is your thought process? Like what is the first things that they teach you? Like what comes to mind and what how is it how how can it be different for different fires? Yeah, so when I was on the well, hand crew or engine, we we're carrying a fire fire pack, and we have all our safety clothes on. So it's called the material called Nomex. We wear Nomex pants, Nomex uh, shirts, and it's flame resistant. It's not gonna it's not gonna put the fire out if you're standing in a fire, but it's flame resistant for a couple of seconds. So if a spark hits you or an ember lands on you, it's not gonna burn your skin. So we have that over us at all times. Sleeves rolled down. We have leather gloves. We have a uh, special fire boots that. If you don't break in, they're gonna you're gonna have a pretty tough time. And then we got just our basic protective gear, helmet, um, safety glasses, and on our backs we have uh, called the fire line pack. So we got all our food and water in there. But our most important piece of gear is a fire shelter, and it's attached to the bottom of our pack in case, God forbid, a fire were to come through without us being prepared. You take that fire shelter out and it's like a little little cocoon it looks like a tinfoil material but it's it's real strong and uh you're supposed to get in that cover it or cover yourself in it hold the edges down with your um with your elbows and your knees and your feet and your hands make sure no superheated air can get in because you're only getting in there if there's a fire coming through gonna sweep over you so luckily i never had to use that and hopefully um, oh, I hope no one ever has to use it, but it's people have taken advantage of them and they've worked and they haven't worked. So you kind of never put yourself into that position where you're going to need it. Now, I now I know you talked about um, kind of getting a little bit of practice with that pack or something similar to the pack before going out there. All that other gear that you just talked about, were you able to kind of get a feel for that before going out there? Or did you, you kind of just... Uh, Kind of just threw that on and had to get used to it. Yeah, no, I just had to get used to it. When they uh, in our training, they trained us to use everything. They trained us on all the tools that we were going to use. Um, they trained us on how to use the fire shelters, and they issued us all two pairs of two pairs of Nomex, so two pairs of the Nomex pants, two pairs of Nomex shirts. So if you're doing your math right, we're out there for two weeks or more, and you get two pairs of pants and you get two shirts. So. <laughs> You go seven or eight days in one, then you switch and you go seven or eight days in the other. So we got we got undershirts and stuff we wear, but yeah, we smell pretty bad by the end of a couple of weeks. Nah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, was that hard, kind of hard to get used to? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. But 
after a couple of days, you, you're not going to get any more dirty. Yeah. Just, you just get used to it. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You know, once you're in, you're in. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, moving on. That's, I want to talk about kind of the terrain out there compared to here. Um, just kind of comparison. I know you do some hiking over here and I know you're big into that, but how do you compare? I mean, it must be a different animal out there. Kind of what's the terrain like out there? And, uh, yeah, let's just start by talking a little bit about that. All right, yeah. So it's fairly similar to here. The mountains are bigger, but it's um, it's pretty steep at, in some spots like Idaho. We had a fire in Idaho, and that was straight up and down vertical. I've never seen anything like that out here. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was comparable to the uh, steepness of the mountains you'll see around here. They're a little higher. Sometimes you're at elevation, but... Um, it really, it did kind of look like the Northeast at some points. And then you'd go Eastern Montana, North Dakota, and it would be something like I've never seen, just all grass, grassland, no trees as far as you can see. And uh, we had to be able to work in both. So we could be working straight up and down vertical at night, or you could be working in an open field with the sun beating down on you all day. And uh, you got to be able to perform in either environment and still dig your line, still make sure your work is quality. Did you enjoy working in that kind of tough, tough terrain, that up and down, that's that steep stuff? Did you, did you, did you embrace it? Oh yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I've described what the actual work is yet. So we'd be basically on the edge of a fire where, um, we'd be digging line on the burnt edge where it's still, where it's still smoldering. And if the conditions are right, the fire can pick back up. So we'll go in there with our hand tools, a line of 20 people with a couple saws in front. And we'll be clearing clearing trees on either side and clearing out all brush on the ground down to a mineral soil so that if that, that edge has no more fuel to pick back up. Because if you take the fuel away from a fire, there's nothing to burn and then it will smolder out. And you can do the same thing with a, with a bulldozer, but a lot of the times the train was too steep to get a bulldozer in. So that's where a hand crew would come in and um, we'd be digging lines so the fire can't restart or mopping up and uh, making sure there's nothing left, no heat left to restart. But just because it's steep doesn't mean you can't you can't work. The job has to get done either way. So whether it's steep or whether it's flat, we had to go in there. So we're going to have to do it either way. You might as well embrace that, that steep mountainside, you know? Now, when you're, when you're there on the line, how many, how many guys are usually with you at that, uh, at that site? So, I will, like I said, I was on a Type 6 engine for a while, so that was only three of us. So that there'd just be three of us there, and on the engine we had water available. So we'd be digging. A couple times we did dig, but we also had water available to put that hot edge out. And on the hand crew, you typically don't have water. You might have little little backpack pumps, but um, that's not too typical. So you'd have the 20-person hand crew, and there'd be... Three saws out front sometimes, and each saw has a uh, partner. So there's six people out front clearing, clearing the trees, and you get twelve people in behind them with hand tools, just digging that, digging that fuel away, so they uh, that edge can't restart. And you kind of talked about there has to be sort of a team aspect to it. Would you say there was a lot of communication between between you or you and your um, you and your coworkers, or were you just kind of all like in the zone, locked in? Oh yeah, it's like anything else. If you don't have good communication, you're not going to be very successful because 
that 20 person line gets pretty long because you're not side by side. You might be six to 10 feet apart. So over 20 people, you might be 100, 150 feet apart from your boss at the end who needs to give an order all the way to the person at the front. So the boss will say something and then the next guy after him will say something and you got to put that order all the way up the line. And if you don't have good communication, if you're not loud enough where the person can hear you, because it, it gets pretty loud out there with the saws. Mm-hmm. So you got to be loud. You got to be clear. You got to be concise. So it's like anything else. Lack of communication is going to lead to errors and errors out there are no good. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, not only just the the physical aspect of it, obviously, and uh, just the experience and the career, but you're also gaining communication skills in the field and all that good stuff too. So that's that's awesome. So I want to talk about how do you think the job and just uh, being out there in the terrain and all of those factors how do you think that helped your endurance and fitness? So at first I, cause I couldn't obviously run out there cause well, one, we worked real long days and two, you couldn't leave fire camp when you got back. I did. And I did think about trying to bring my running shoes and everything and try to get a run in, squeeze a run in, but they uh, wouldn't let you leave camp. So I was worried that I was going to come back in the fall with good strength, but really a lack of endurance. Um, so there was a little bit of that, but I think that just the nature of the job itself, I was always constantly hiking with a lot of weight on my back, going up and down, up and down. And out here in Maine, it's pretty hilly. A lot of our courses are hilly. Our home course here, very hilly. And uh, so I think that prepared me pretty well. That has strengthened my muscles a little bit or just strengthened my mindset. Um, so when I'm on those hills, I can think back to when I'm running these hills, I can think back to this summer of... Um, the kind of work I did. So in that aspect, it definitely did help. In the in the endurance aspect, it might have hurt me a little bit just because I didn't get to run all that much. But like I said, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, and you talked about kind of before going out there. I mean, you were running a good amount of miles. You think that that training kind of prepared you for, for, for that experience. They kind of go hand in hand almost. So um Moving, kind of moving on to your running career here at St. Joe's, what would you say is your favorite race you've run in your collegiate career? Okay, so when I think of that question, there's definitely two big races that stand out. One was uh, our cross-country race at Green Mountain State my freshman year. Um, we ended up winning as a team. That's where I ran my PR. It was just a great course. Um, me and our top runner, Troy, we were together for a good amount of the race before he took off, like usual. <laughs> um, but I just remember that race. It was a great, great success for both the men's and women's team. Um, and we ended up, we both won the day. We got a pretty cool plaque, a stone plaque from that. And after that, that college shut down, so we never got to race there again, unfortunately. And then another one that stands out is a track 10K at uh, Bridgewater State on the track. And it snowed that morning and the 10 K was the first race. So we started our race with snow on the hundred meter stretch on both sides of the track. And, uh, I just loved that little, little more rugged and it was great. And I ended up breaking the 10 K school record that day. So that's definitely a a big standout. Jake, I know the answer to this question, but for those who don't, uh, how many laps is a 10 K on the, uh, outdoor track? I got to think about that for a sec. 
25, 25, laps? Right? 25 laps. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a lot, that's a lot of laps, man. Yeah. Get dizzy. Yeah. So, um, we'll kind of get, we'll kind of talk about, uh, how you prepare, prepare for those races later. But, um, so what would you say is your favorite distance to race at and why? My favorite distance is probably a 5k on the track. 5k on the track. Yeah. It, why? It leaves enough time where if you mess up early on, if you don't have a good start, you could still, you could still make up for that and you could still pass people. But people who know how I run know I don't have a kick really. So that, that 5k distance lets me pass people early on and put enough of a gap where even if they do have a kick, hopefully I can get far enough ahead where I don't have to worry about that. Has the 5k always been your favorite race? I'd say the 5k's. Yeah. It's always been my favorite race just long enough, but it's not too long where like the 10k it's kind of, it drags on for the first four miles of the race, but the 5k, as soon as the gun goes off, you're racing up until your foot crosses the finish line. Do you remember your first 5k? On a track or ever? Ever. Uh, yeah, there was a 5k in my hometown when I, I don't know, I was in elementary school. I don't know how old I was, but all my friends were like, oh, Jake, you're starting off way too fast. And I ended up, I think I ended up winning my age group. Yeah. So. Is that, uh, when, when was it when you kind of decided like, hey, like this is what, it, this is a sport I want to continue. And I, I just love running. When was that, when did that kind of moment hit? Can you, can you recall that? Or kind of like the time, the air, the kind of like the age you were at when you kind of decided, hey, like, I'm good at this. So my mom always tells me this story when I was real little of me. There was we have this corner in my house and I always try to run around it as fast as I could. But I I wasn't old enough to be able to turn good yet. So I just run into the wall. So uh, I guess I've always liked running. But I found that I liked it when I was little and my dad took me to the track because he was he was running. Um, just to stay in shape. I'm like, dad, can I do a lap? Can I do another lap? And I just, I kept going. And ever since then, I'd always go for runs with my sister or my dad until I was finally old enough to join the cross country team in uh, middle school. And then I've been hooked since then. Awesome. So you said you started in middle school and now you're, and you're, well, you're not entering, you're in your senior year of um, college, cross country and track. So you've obviously had some very successful races here at St. Joe's and I know you as kind of a laid back guy before the race, you know, you're, you're, you always seem to be locked in. So I just kind of wanted to talk about what is your thought process before going into a race? Because it is, it is different for all runners. You know, you have, you do have runners who might be a little more, nervous on the start line and then you have your runners who are kind of calm and collected what do you do and what is kind of your thought process going into a race to kind of stay calm um stay collected and know just kind of having a game plan i guess going into a race like knowing what hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna run this time right right so i used to be one of those runners that really psyched myself out at the start line like like on the edge of a nervous breakdown. But then it was like one day it just clicked that I could be this nervous or I could not not be that nervous. And I'm still going to line up the start line and run either way. 
So I started telling myself, like, being nervous before the race or being this nervous before the race isn't going to help. Don't get me wrong. I still I still do get anxious and nervous before a race, but it's not like it's not like crippling kind of anxiety. It kind of it helps me out. It's the kind of nervous that psychs me up. So, um, yeah, I just try to remember that everyone out there is going to be in pain, too. I'm going to be in pain, but it's not going to kill me. I can put myself in as much pain in a race as I can, and I'm still going to cross the finish line. So now that you've started the race, kind of, so the gun goes off, you take off, and now now you're in the race. How do you, especially in those longer races, those 8K, 10Ks, even the 5K, how do you stay focused on the race, and how do you, how do you stay locked in? What are some of the things that you say to yourself? Yeah, so when the race starts getting hard, or even a workout starts getting hard, in my head, I'd say light work and easy day, just to remind myself that, and I'll even say it a lot sometimes, that it's, I've done this before, and I'm going to do it again, so I can get through this no matter what it takes, I can get through it, and especially if there's a person out in front of me, and then that gives me a motivation to go get them, especially when you're racing and you see someone out in front of you like that, and they just take one one misstep, you can tell that they're tired, that they're slowing down, or they turn around to look at you. That's when you go get them. And I've been the guy that people go get because they've seen me, Troy Hendricks here. I could think of a, a race earlier this season after he's like, I saw you going up that hill. You took a couple steps and looked tired. And that's when he blew by me and didn't look back. Um, and I've been the guy that does the same thing. I wait behind people as soon as they misstep a little or look back. That's when you can, uh, you go by him and you could kind of use their energy to, to fuel you, even if you're out of energy. Yeah, and I love that mentality, you know. Like how you said, just say to yourself, this is nothing that I haven't done before, you know, I got this, stuff like that, you know. That positive self-talk is what's going to make you, really in anything, you can really apply that to any sport or really anything. If you're going into that situation with that kind of confidence, you know, you're going to seize the day, you're going to, you're going to take control of that race. And, you know, I really like that energy and that mentality. So kind of, you know, this is your senior year. Um, moving forward, do you think running is something you're going to continue to do after college? Oh, absolutely. I would like to, uh, I'd like to run a marathon. And then after that, I would like to start getting into ultra marathons. Um, a lot of the runners I look up to are ultra marathon runners. So it's something I've always been intrigued by, just seeing how far I can push my body for those 100K, 100-mile distances, just see what's possible. Because other people have done it. They do them every year. So why can't, why can't we do it, you know? Now, a marathon is 26.2. What is an ultra marathon? Anything above 26.2. So the typical distance, you'll get 50K, 50-mile, 50 100K, and 100-mile distances and it's usually within 24 hours so we'll see that's crazy you know that's a lot of miles that you that you're putting on do you think with your do you how do you think with your job that you're planning on pursuing and obviously you're gonna have to take your miles you're putting in now and increase those how do you think, how do you think you're going to, how do you think you're going to do that? 
Yeah, I've been working through that one in my mind. I don't really know because the job takes up quite a bit of time and you can't train. So it might yeah. be that off-season training and just squeezing in one race when you can. But even it was in 20, 2020, I believe, even with my cross-country training of or track training of 50 miles a week, I ended up running for a charity run. In 16 hours, I did a little over 100K. It was 65.5 miles in wow. 16 hours and at around 1 a.m. So I know that with a little less than I less training than I should have, I can still push to those farther distances. Might not be great for my body, but I know I know I can get it done. Yeah, and I mean, you're having a strong season here so far. So obviously, obviously that that experience you had over the summer did make you stronger in a sense. Um, even if you don't feel like endurance wise, you mean it didn't take you that long to pick that, pick that back up. So, um, last question I want to ask you, Jake is now that you're in your senior year, what are your goals for just your goals for your senior year, the rest of your season? What do you want to, uh, what do you want to leave St. Joe's with? My goal is to run a 5k in under 16 minutes because most people have ran a 5k or they know someone that's run a 5k and they kind of have an idea of what the times are. And I've, I've come close a couple of years ago to breaking 16 in a 5k, but I just said it. Now I got to do it. That's my goal. Under 16 minutes for a 5k on the track that on the track, hopefully this spring or winter. So that's going to be my main focus going into uh, these next couple seasons and next couple months of training. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have a good plan in order to reach those goals. I mean, we kind of talked about that mentality going into it with going into it with that confidence. Um, it seems like you have a plan both to reach your goals uh, as a cross country runner and then also as an environmental science major. It seems like you have that figured out. You know, you know what you want to do. You're going to go out and get more experience out West and then hopefully uh, find that job as in the, uh, you said the uh, white mountains, right? Yep. For the forest service. Yep. Forest service. All right. Well, thank you, Jake, for joining us today. It was awesome to hear your experiences over the summer as a wildland firefighter and also some of your experiences here at St. Joe's as a runner. Thank you, man. That was great being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that is the Monk's Take podcast. Thank you all for listening and until next time.